everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. If this is your first time, then what took you so long? That's kind of my philosophy. Welcome aboard to this uh, fast-moving train that we have going on here in the Time Out with DG podcast. Uh, particulars out of the way first. Like, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Leave some nice comments, preferably good comments. I've gotten some great feedback so far. The numbers keep going up. And, and you know what's interesting? I, I talk about the numbers all the time, and it's you know it's kind of addictive when you're doing these things of podcasting or, you know, that's why social media is, you know, I think it feeds on on people's, you know, inner emotions and the the way the brain works. And some people always are just craving attention. We all crave some sort of attention, some greater than others. Um, but, you know, as these numbers roll in, you know, we have this, you know, this website. Uh, we upload things through Podbean uh, at KHOU. And so it, it lets us manage the, the podcast and lets us upload new uh, new content. It also gives us the numbers, the, the raw numbers that are coming in of how many people download this thing, how many people listen to it. And it, it's interesting because there was a report that came out today about podcasts in general. You know, they grew in popularity uh, in 2020, during the COVID pandemic, everybody was locked down, trying to find some new content out there. I started listening to more podcasts, uh, that's for sure, yeah, from all the you know, political, sports, uh, movies. I mean, I, I listen to several out there. But it's interesting when you talk about numbers and downloads and, and, and content that the people actually consume, right? So the top 1% of all podcasts that are out there, right? Those folks are being downloaded. We're talking about the Joe Rogans and like the, the you know the big the big time names. They they have an average download rate of people that listen to about thirty five thousand a day. Thirty five thousand a day. That's that's a huge number. The next ten percent, the top ten percent, I should say, have a number of downloads at about three thousand a day. That's per episode about three thousand a day if they do it on a daily basis. If not, about three thousand per episode, right? But the top half, so like the median number of, of shows, if you, if you want to get into the, the middle of downloads, number of downloads and the scale, if you're getting about 126 downloads or individual um, ears or individual people listening to the uh, podcast, then that number is 126. So the average number of people listening to podcasts across the entire spectrum is 126. Now, there are a lot of podcasts, there are a lot of different numbers that are thrown out there, and a lot of a lot of people creating things every single day, so that number keeps growing, and so it kind of skews maybe the, the, the figures a little bit, but I thought that was so interesting that the average number of podcast listeners is 126, and you know, there's a lot of attention put on podcasts, and a lot of advertisers are starting to turn their attentions to podcasting, and how can they reach new audiences, but I mean, think about that, so advertisers are paying sometimes a lot of money, especially on the big podcasts, the ones that are downloaded a lot, but even on the smaller ones, they kind of drop some advertising dollars too, and they're getting about 126 individual viewers for each one on average. I just thought it was interesting. But anyway, our numbers continue to grow up, so I appreciate anything and everything that I get, and uh, I just thought that was, I had to make a note of that because that report came out today, and um, I thought it was was, uh, fun to listen to. Anyway, hey, hope you're having a great day. A uh, couple of topics that we're going to touch on today. No interviews. I'll have an interview tomorrow with a really fantastic lady. Her name is Meredith McCord. 
a world record fly fisherman, fly fisherwoman, I guess if you want to say. Uh, I've done features with her in the past for uh, KHOU, but I recently caught up with her again because she now holds about 220-something world records uh, when it comes to traveling all over the world, catching a variety of fish. And, you know, her business has really grown during the pandemic because people are wanting some socially distanced outdoor activities. And, well, you can't get more socially distant than fishing. And so that interview is coming tomorrow. She was really great. She's doing really awesome things. So stay tuned for that. But today, just a variety of topics that we're going to discuss today on the podcast so we can keep this thing on a daily basis. And actually, there's quite a bit of things happening in the sports world and just in general. Uh, I I want to start, though, with uh, a quote that has been circulating around the Internet. Um, Rivers McCown, I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter. He's a a good follow for Texans fans. He, he, He has a lot of good nuggets. He breaks down game film. He He's a good follow on Twitter, but he posted a quote uh, from Jack Easterby. It was a video quote. It's about a minute. Now, I'm going to play it here. I think he found it on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to play it here. I want you to listen to it first. And When I heard it, I cringed. It was cringeworthy when I heard it because it kind of gives you an idea of how this guy, and these are his own words, right? Jack Easterby's own words, how this guy approaches certain situations. In, in this particular case, He's talking about an athlete in college, a basketball player, and I, I just found it interesting. Just take a listen and kind of digest what he says, and then I'll, I'll have my reaction on the other end. We got Max Schulman sitting in front of me, and I'm going to try to figure out whether he likes basketball, whether he really loves basketball, or whether he's just doing this. Yeah, okay? so what are you going to ask? So, so Max sits in front of me, and he sits down in the chair and says, hey, Max, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Good, good. All right, great. What you been up to? What you been doing recently? All right. And off the bat, I'm going to look for how many times he's mentioned the word basketball in that sentence. Okay. So I'm not really going to ask him a cheesy question that says, do you like basketball? Because he can set me up with a bunch of, you know, fake answers that he can, you know, just check the box with on that. Yes, I'm looking for what have you, what have you been doing over the last three or four weeks? What have you been doing in your training? How much is your life adapted around basketball? How much do you make time for basketball? I'm looking for him to share his schedule with me so he can show me how much he loves basketball. So let's say he says, you know, hey, well, I've been shooting at the gym and, you know, I've been I've been working out and doing some things. And my follow-up question was, well, who's been with you? Who, people been with you? Are they, are they better than you? Do you think they're better than you? And then if he says to me, nah, ain't nobody better than me, then off the bat I'm going to know that his desire to be the best in his group is good enough for him. So now I've established that he kind of likes basketball because he's practicing on his own, but he's hanging out with people that are just as good or worse than him, and he doesn't really want to go get challenged and get exposed. So now I've got, in the first two questions, I've already got the fact that basketball is medium to high importance of him. And then on top of that, I've got the fact that he's probably not in a position where he's willing to be vulnerable because we don't know in the big picture whether or not he even knows what it's like to be challenged and be exposed um, when he's in a, you know, in a position like this. So those, that's how I would start. Did you hear all that? Did you, did you hear him say how he analyzes just simple answers? Like that's dangerous to me. Like playing psychological mind games with people, especially college age kids, young men that are just entering the NFL. 
I mean, I, I, I understand the point of trying to trying to know what the player uh, or where the player is coming from and where, but it's dangerous to walk that rope, man. Like, basically, he's saying there. So if if he asks the question to the guy and he doesn't respond a certain way, then he automatically assumes that that player's not as invested as he should be in the sport. That is, that's not good. Like, assumptions make a you-know-what out of you and me, right? So, I don't, I heard that, and it was so cringeworthy, and it, it just blows your mind that a guy like that, like Jack Easterby, has been able to control a major professional football franchise, like the Houston Texans. I mean, are these the type of conversations he's having with, with folks in the building? Because you, that that player may be completely invested in basketball. He just didn't answer it a certain way. So you're looking for keywords. You're trying to parse words and sentences to kind of grab things in there. Like You have to let people be themselves. You have to treat them like human beings. You can't treat them like robots that they're going to give perfectly constructed robotic answers to satisfy what you're looking for. Like, I, I have a big problem with that. And, you know, this this type of stuff tears things, tears teams apart, tears uh, friendships apart, tears workplaces apart. Can you imagine if you had people in their everyday lives walking around just analyzing every single little word that you say? Now, I guess public figures have that all the time. You know, you, you ask if you're in that position, like being a president of the United States or a member of Congress. But in this case, Easterby is dealing with college age kids. And, you know, there's a lot going on with these young men and women. They got a lot of stuff going, coming at them. They you know they're in school. They have, uh, you know, the pressures of succeeding there, pressures of succeeding on the court or on the field, which, whichever whichever sport they play in, I just found I just found that to be so gross that he's just assuming all of these things just by listening to a couple of answers, and he's pretty much dismissing the player already without getting to know him even a little bit more. I think that's terrible. That breeds resentment. That breeds a bad culture. And if that's what's going on here with the Texans, it kind of goes back to those Sports Illustrated articles. If that's what's going on here with the Texans, there's... There's no wonder why people want to get out of there. There's no wonder why people don't want to work there. I sure hope that's not what's happening. Um, and I just find I just find that to be really bad. I, I don't like it. Uh, and it was an alarming quote uh, to hear that, and um, it was a, it was a good find by Rivers McCown, that's for sure. And you know, another day, another chapter in the drama of the Texans and Deshaun Watson and their new head coach, Leslie Frazier. Getting a second interview, I don't know how exciting that is, but it would be so Texan of them to hire the guy that got schooled on AFC and the AFC championship rather than the guy that was doing the teaching and schooling the other uh, the other the other candidate and Eric Bieniemy, Leslie Frazier, the Bills' defensive coordinator, losing to the Chiefs, and uh, Eric Bieniemy and the offensive coordinator over there on that side. Uh, that would be a very Texan thing to do. But Leslie Frazier, he's had a lot of experience in the league. A lot of people think he'd be good for this situation in Houston. Um, I, I still hold true that you got to go be enemy, um, not one to cater to players. And you know what? At some point, after all these reports and every Sunday we wake up thinking, oh, my God, what's the next Texan story going to be? Another leak from Deshaun's camp. Because that's what's happening here, right? 
I mean, Deshaun has not put his name on anything yet. I mean, he's tweeting out rap lyrics and all this stuff like, you know, coding and, you know, little phrases here and there, all that. But he hasn't put his name on it. He hasn't himself come out publicly and said, I want out, right? So the Texans don't have to do that. He's under contract. He just signed a huge extension. If the culture was so bad, then why did you sign the extension? That's a fair question to ask. At some point, if this continues, he's going to have to put his name on this that he wants out instead of just a bunch of leaks from people here and there. I'm still on his in his side. I'm still on his side. I think the Texans have handled this so poorly. But, you know, now we've gone on like about three or four weeks, right? So I... I don't know. I think I think at some point he has to come out and say, "Yeah, I want to be. I want to. I want out of here." And who knows? That may happen after they hire the wrong coach. If they hire the wrong guy, then maybe Watson will definitely publicly say, "I'm done." Um, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen because, in a way, it'll protect himself if he decides to stay. Right. All right. Let's see what next topic do we have? Oh, baseball Hall of Fame. That announcement was going to be made on Tuesday. Um, I think for me. I mean, looking at the list, I don't have any respect for people that have a Hall of Fame vote and then don't vote for anybody. There's a lot of guys on these lists, on these ballots, that are very much deserving. So if you decide to fill, you decide to submit a ballot and it doesn't have anybody on it, then you're a clown. And you need to uh, give your voting up to somebody else. Because I don't know how many hangups you may have or how many, uh, or how many questions you may have about each individual player. These ballots have guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, considering some of the guys that have already gotten in, right, especially in baseball. And I know it's political, and, you know, there's a lot of straw men arguments, and, you know, uh, this person should be in, and that person should be He shouldn't be in. For, I know it's a lot of that going on, and baseball is, you know, I think it's, you could argue it's the most revered Hall of Fame, and then Pro Football Hall of Fame is, is, pretty, is pretty amazing too. But baseball's been around for so long, America's pastime. It's such an exclusive club. Um, so the Hall of Fame ballot was out. I, I mean, you can vote for 10. And judging by this ballot, I mean, I've been a guy that has always said that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. I think they were Hall of Famers before all that junk came out about them taking performance-enhancing drugs. I think they should be in. So I'd vote for Barry Bonds. I'd vote for Roger Clemens. Um, I would vote for Kurt Schilling because of his postseason experience and what he did. Uh, in such big moments, one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. And look, there are people that aren't going to be voting for him for, because of his political views, and that doesn't matter. That should not matter at all. It should not matter at all who you vote who who you vote for in your own personal life because you're supposed to judge these guys on what they do on the field. And uh, that goes back to Barry and Roger for me because I thought they were Hall of Famers before all that stuff happened. Um, okay, and then there's other ones like Andrew Jones could be a good consideration. Uh, Jeff Kent was an excellent second baseman, one of those fringe guys. Billy Wagner, Astros closer, is also good. Uh, Scott Rowland, very serviceable uh, player as well. Um, like a lot of these guys, you know, I don't know if they'll get there, but they should be in consideration. Um, and Todd Helton is another good one. So I think I think my votes would probably go to Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, uh Omar Vizquel is a good one, too. I like Omar Vizquel. I don't know if he's Hall of Fame caliber, but uh, I think I could also make an argument for Billy Wagner because of what he did. Lefty, throwing so hard, kind of redefined the position for a lot of players that came behind him. 
uh, I would vote for Billy Wagner too. So uh, we'll see. We'll see who gets in. That's a that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting uh, result that's going to happen. See if anybody gets in at all. Okay, other topics. Let's see the other topic I have. Oh, did you guys see this story? It was, it's, <laughs> yes, there's things that pop up on the news feed sometimes, and I I, I, I kind of laugh. I kind of scratch my head. I'm like, what What are they doing? And then it kind of makes you think a little bit. Like, wait, could that be possible? So the state of Florida has come out and said, hey, we can host the Olympic Games if Japan decides not to do it. Now, there are rumblings. You know, they already moved the summer games from last year to this year. And now there's a report out that, you know, there are folks in Japan because their coronavirus numbers have been increasing in the last couple of months that they they don't want to take the chance to invite athletes from all over the world to come into Japan. And there are there is a movement to cancel the Olympics over there in Japan. Well, the state of Florida said, hey, I, we got you. We got you. Why don't you bring the Olympics to the state of Florida? Can you imagine uh, a U.S. state just hosting the Olympic Games? Uh, I think it's unique. I mean, the state of Florida has hosted already big-time events. They're going to host a Super Bowl. They hosted the national championship. They've hosted NFL games and stadiums. Uh, they did the NBA bubble. Uh, they, they, they've done a lot. They've been open more so than other states that, you know, Florida's numbers, if you compare them to California, they've taken different approaches. Their vaccine rollout, you can argue, has been pretty good as well in Florida. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting when I saw it. I, I thought it was funny that a state is stepping up and say, hey, let's just do it here. We've got the infrastructure. We can do it here. I don't think the IOC will ever allow that. One, because there's probably not enough money that can be given to those corrupt people in the IOC to sway a decision like that. One one show, Real Sports with on HBO with Brian Gumble is sensational. But the one show that you guys should go watch is the the one on the International Olympic Committee that they did. It's a it's a whole expose about um, the history of the organization and what goes into pol- selecting host sites. Go watch that show because it is so corrupt. The IOC is gross. It is very corrupt. Um, and I don't think Florida has the amount of money to pay the IOC to bring the games there. I mean, that would be just a huge undertaking. But I, 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 I saw that story pop up on the wires. And I'm like, okay, okay. so we're, we're at the point where individual states are wanting to host the Olympics. I thought that was, uh, that was interesting for me. Okay, and then there was a story here. Uh, I saw KHOU, uh, our KHOU news page tweeted it out a little earlier today. Let me see. Let me find it. Um, here we go. K-H-O-U. Well, if, if, if you ever want to go to space, apparently there's a way to do it, but you, you have, you're going to have to have a lot of cash to do it. A lot of money. Here we go. Space tourists meet the three men paying $55 million each to fly to the International Space Station. $55 million. Would you guys pay $55 million to fly to the space station? First of all, you have to have just stupid money to do that. So here we go. The first... Private space station crew was introduced Tuesday in Florida. Three men who are each paying $55 million to fly on a SpaceX rocket to the International Space Station. They'll be led by a former NASA astronaut now working for Axiom Space, and that's a Houston company that arranged the trip for next January. So next January, these these guys are going to fly up to the International Space Station after having paid $55 million. 
Uh, let's see. Their names are Larry Connor, a real estate and tech entrepreneur, a Canadian financier, Mark Pathy, and Israeli businessman, Eitan Stibbe. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I butchered both of those names. A close friend of Israel's first astronaut, Elon Ramon, um, who was killed in the space shuttle Columbia accident in 2003. So these guys are wanting to go to space for $55 million. I, like I said, I wish I had $55 million to throw away um, to do that. I mean, it would be so cool to just kind of go up in space. It's like those... <laughs> It's like those uh, those offers that would you would you pay a lot of money to go to Mars? First of all, no, because it's a one way trip at this point. Um, and two, I, I think I'm good on Earth. I can get a telescope and I can look at the stars. You know, I can build a Lego space station, which I have done, which is really cool. I can build a Lego rocket. I can go to NASA. Tickets for NASA aren't very expensive. You know, I can sit down, look at the stars. That that that, that, that I think that's probably good. I don't know if I'd strap myself into a rocket and fly up into space for $55 million, but I guess if you've done everything in life and, hey, I've got a bunch of money lying around, why not go to space for $55 million? I thought that was a, that was an interesting story, too. Would you guys do that? If you guys listen to this podcast, let me know. Would you fly into space for $55 million? I would say no. I'd put my money to uh, another house, maybe buy an island, maybe buy a small island so I can go to. I don't think I have to go to space for a little while. Um, I, I think I, I'm good here. So I thought that was an interesting story too. Anyway, that was the podcast episode. I hope you, uh, I hope you guys have a great day. Tomorrow, like I said, I'm going to have a world champion uh, not world champion, world record holder, fly fisherwoman, Meredith McCord. She's my guest. That's going to be an interesting conversation that I think you guys will enjoy. Uh, as for now, I will talk to you guys later. Rockets uh, going for three in a row against the Wizards. They're looking better. I'm, I'm anxious to see Victor Oladipo and John Wall on the floor at the same time. Combine them with Christian Wood when he gets healthy. That'll be great. Uh, that'll be awesome. And then U of H climbing to six in the polls. You know, the Maybe we're going to be getting some good Houston news here. Baseball's around the corner. I think I think we may be getting out of the uh, doldrums that were 2020 for Houston sports. But um, anyway, hope you guys have a good rest of the day. I will talk to you tomorrow on the podcast. See you later. <laughs>